Hello and welcome to The M Word, where we have uncensored conversations on all things marketing. We're your hosts, Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michael Gard. For season two, our conversations are focused on brand. Listen in for ideas you can use for your brand. Enjoy today's episode. Today we are talking with Karen Bate from KB Concepts PR. She and her team help companies and nonprofits tell their stories and strengthen their brands. Karen shares her experience from journalism to marketing and her observations on how corporate social responsibility has altered brands over the years. Karen has always been committed to giving back to the community and working with brands who embrace doing good authentically. She opens up about her current brand projects and talks about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion statements and the challenges brands face in becoming more inclusive. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Karen, welcome to The M Word. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Well, you uh, are someone I have admired since I started my business. I had the pleasure of meeting you really early on. And how long have you been in marketing? I have been in marketing since, let me see, um, I moved to the D.C. area in the mid-80s. I worked on Capitol Hill. But before that, I did mark. I was a journalist in Rhode Island, but I also worked in marketing for the America's Cup Races. That was my first client, um, you know, representing the, the um, challengers who are from all over the world, not the American sailing uh, franchises. But I moved to D.C., worked on Capitol Hill because all they wanted to talk about was the fact that I had worked for the America's Cup races. So that was the job I got when I got here. And then I quickly realized I did not like politics in the Hill. I had been a journalist. I I had kind of a jaded view of politics already. So I jumped into um, nonprofit marketing at GW Medical Center. Then I worked at a professional association and then AHC, the affordable housing developer in Arlington for almost 10 years. And after that, I started my own business in 20, 2007. So this is my, uh, I just had my 15th anniversary. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So you have been around uh, the brand block as, as it is uh, a few yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, let's not discuss my age, but yes, unfortunately that's true. Well, you just <laughs> set the stage of, of what, how long your career, but so like, given that, given that experience, what, is, what does brand mean to you? You know, it's so funny because that is such a huge change, a sea change. I watched um, brands go from everything was top down. It was only on television or radio and you controlled all of it. And there was no uh, customer feedback allowed before the internet, before social media. And they got to control the entire message and you had to just trust them. And then along came social media and the internet and that changed the conversation a lot. But what really changed it profoundly was corporate social responsibility marketing, where brands started aligning themselves with good causes. And I think one of the very first ones was Kleenex supported breast cancer. And they did research that showed that if you bought Kleenex as opposed to a different brand of bath tissues, um, 99% of people, when it said on the package that they supported breast cancer, bought them instead. And it very quickly became obvious to all the other brands that doing good in the world is a really good form of marketing as you, of course, your whole company was founded on that, I think, right, Jennifer, that idea. And it just, it was, it was a slow, but very steady um, change between what um, that, what used to be top down and, 
people responding and saying, that's a lie, your product stinks on social media. And the realization that you, it wasn't just about you making money. You had to also be contributing to making the world a better place. So for me, what a brand stands for is, you know, who they are, who, what are you, what are you doing in the world besides just making whatever you make or selling whatever you sell? I have never been really wowed by luxury brands. I've never wanted a Birkin bag or Louboutin shoes or to drive a Mercedes. None of that's just ever been really important to me. Um, and I probably am more like most consumers, I think. So to me, it's more, are you trustworthy, reliable, relatable, believable, and are you doing something good in the world? So Karen, has that always been your philosophy? Just looking at KB Concepts, um, you know, you have this mission and you believe that giving back to the community and where you live and where you work, like, has that always been true for KB Concepts or did your brand evolve and change over the years? You know, it has always been true because I worked in nonprofit marketing. My very first logo, which Evelyn Powers of Design Powers designed for me, had great ideas for good causes, my tagline from the very beginning. And I have since rebranded and tweaked to modernize, but I haven't done a major rebrand. And um, part, But I have always, always um, just believed. I came from journalism and non, the nonprofit world, so it was really easy for me to have that point of view, I think. I never really had a different lens on marketing and PR. I, so I want to pull the thread a little bit on, you know, you refreshed or modernized your brand, yeah. um, but you never had the need in 15 years of business to do a full rebrand. Tell me why. You know, it's so funny. I, well, number one, I'm very small and um, I've kept small purposefully. It wasn't always an intentional decision, but when I started a second business, it became the only way was to keep my business small so that the other organization I founded and ran could also be, I could manage both. But with my own brand, I just always really loved it. And even when Evelyn would say, you need a refresh, you know, your website's so out of date, um, your images, your everything, it's just not, you know, it doesn't have good SEO or it's not mobile friendly, um, you know, all those things that force you kind of to rebrand whether you want to or not. Um, then I, I would really rethink. And I did change the last time I did my redid my website was probably the biggest change I made. I went from trying to be everything and putting out all my services to picking the one thing that I thought people needed from me the most and were struggling with the most. And that's what I put front and center. And for me, that was having to manage all of the outreach that a small business or organization does, such as social media, email marketing, keeping your messaging out there, keeping what you do front of mind to people. And it's really hard to manage all that. It's overwhelming for most of our clients. It's overwhelming for me. So that was my message was that we can help you reduce your overwhelm. And I feel like that message really resonated for me in the last few years since I changed. Was that um, hard for you? Because you know, I'll just speak from personal experience. Yeah. Never, I mean, never mind the fact that clients, we help them with this and I see what they go through. But like when you are making that decision to take your brand that means so many things to you and so many things to your clients, but crystallize it down to something narrow. Talk to me about what that felt like and how did how did how did you let go of 
of being wanting to say all the things? That's such a good question. I'm kicking myself because I actually read a book. I was at a networking event out in Fairfax um, that a guy you may have met at um, some of the events we've gone to. His name is Basil, and he runs um, all these networking events in Fairfax. He had a guest speaker who was a guy who had written a book about how to make your website the most impactful. And he said, everyone tries to be everything to everybody. It's kind of like Seth Godin and the purple cow. You should do one thing really well. And if you tell people that's what you do, you can get them to have that initial conversation with you. And then you tell them about all the other things you're good at too. And when I read this little book, the guy had at that meeting that day that I bought, it was only like maybe a hundred pages with big print. I read it in one sitting and I just thought it was so brilliant. And he gave tons of examples of a website that did that with one thing. You answer one problem that someone's having. And then once you get them to talk to you, you tell them about all your other stuff. And I did it on my website immediately. And it was so successful. And it just, it actually helped me because right up, you can have secondary messages, you know, this blocks and things underneath, but you got to grab them in some way that emotionally resonates with them. Because people are looking, jumping around at websites every second, and you don't have much time to make an impression. And I felt like my my image on my website was so critical to that. It was a woman sitting by a pool with her laptop looking really zen. And you know, as a woman business owner, hardly any of us actually ever feel that way <laughs> in real life. We're all like, ah, you know. <laughs> well, Karen, you've been happy with your brand, which is amazing. And I, I think that um, a lot of business owners struggle with that. So looking at your clients, how have you helped them figure out when it's time to refresh, when it's time to change their messaging, when it maybe isn't working? And like, what do you tell them? How do you walk them through that process? That's, as you probably know, it happens all the time. I, um, I, you know, sometimes they're very wedded to what they already have, but I feel like most times by the time a client comes to me, they're pretty desperate and they know what they're doing isn't working. And they all have limited budgets, but they know it's time. And in the very first conversation, I usually say to them, you know, I, I looked at your stuff before I came. I can understand why you've reached out to me. You clearly need an updated website. I don't know if you've thought about rebranding, but everything you invest in doing it right the first time is going to just come back to you. It's, it's such a good investment. And I try to, you know, see, feel them out of whether they're willing to do that. One recent example is Sushi Zen, who I've been working with for the last few years. She had a horrible website and they have online ordering and everything. So she really needed a good website. But she kept, there were all these reasons why she couldn't change it right away. The pandemic, the overwhelming changes they had to go through during that and still keep selling food and making money and everything and donating to good causes. So we finally got around to it last year and it made such a tremendous difference to them. We didn't change their logo, but we updated it and it's their anniversary this year. So we put celebrating 25 years and, the, and the, you know, she really loved her logo. We updated all their information to kind of clear out a lot of the junk and focus it more um, like we just talked about. And in this year alone, she's won Best Sushi Restaurant, the Chamber Best Business Award, which was so thrilling for them for their 25th year. And, you know, they were at the event last night, which, oops, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, you might want to cut that out. But 
um, they, um, they've really, Rosie said to me today, the best decision I ever made was hiring you and Emma because they're just so happy about all the changes. But I think when you're in the weeds running your own business, it's very hard to see that. And you also have so much on your plate, you can't imagine taking it on. So that's where people like us come in, right? How do you, how do you counsel somebody who um, has always been doing it themselves? It's the, it's interesting. Like I've run across founders recently of very large companies, but they are still afraid to outsource anything related to their brand because they're concerned. Have you run into that? Like, what do you say? Interesting. I'm trying to think. I, you know, I guess there are, yeah, people who think, but, but I mean, unless they have an in-house communications program, which my client, my target clients are people who don't have an in-house communications program, that they've never had that and they want help from an outsider because they know that's a weak area for them. But if they, if they really feel that way, then, you know, are they, I would ask, well, are you happy with your results? Are you ha- are you happy with the feedback you're getting? What's your SEO look like? How's your mobile app? How's your mo- website looking on mobile? Um, you know, what's your social media engagement levels? Uh, how many website visits are you getting every month? With my company, we provide a monthly report to every client that shows all of that stuff, how much engagement, how many new followers, um, the level of engagement, which, you know, which things are, res- which kind of posts and content are resonating. And then we have a whole chart on where are their website visitors coming from and how, what's the percentage of them that's coming from our social media work. Um, and then on the website, how many pages, wh- what pages are they visiting? How many are new unique visitors and how many are, you know, return visitors? Um, and all of that stuff, we can show at the end of each month that things are happening for them. And that's been a really good tool too. And honestly, if you ask me how I do that, I have no idea. My assistant's been doing that for me for so long. I don't even know where where she gets all the information. I I totally understand. It's like, you know enough to know that it's important. (laughs) And I love showing it to them every month. I have no idea where she gets that information. I mean, I know where she gets it, but I don't, I don't, I don't do it myself. Right. Well, so what I think is interesting, Karen, about like where you've, where your business has, has gotten, you've honed it into being, you know, really about these particular communications channels is, is, you know, what, how has PR changed? Like the old fashioned PR? Cause I, you know, and where does that fit into brand strategy um, in, in the digital age? So true. Um, I, for me, PR has always been kind of about your brand reputation. It's, it, it's about your reputation. It's not the nuts and bolts of market research and demographics. I have never gotten into a lot of digital marketing. I don't, I'm not at all an expert on Google ads and all of that kind of stuff. Cause that's just a whole different science than what I feel I do. I feel like what my company does is help people just position and promote their brand, their company, nonprofit, small business, in a way that resonates with their audiences and gets people to feel a connection to them and support them. 
because, you know, media relations has always been a big part of mine. I know a lot of marketing companies, that's not what they do at all. Um, getting out there and letting people see that you are doing something that the, that the um, news media cares about and thinks their audiences care about, it gives you a lot of credibility. But it's a lot of work and it's a pain in the neck and it's almost impossible to get placements anymore. Um, and then, of course, social media is great. But again, you're controlling it. And I've, you know, I've always felt very strongly that even bad feedback is an opportunity for a brand. So if somebody says something negative about you, you jump right on it and say, thank you so much for that feedback. Let me tell you what we're doing about that. Because if you just delete it or don't respond, it's you've lost such a good opportunity. All of that information is so powerful. So I, I don't know. I just think that public relations is really reputation management more than anything. And Karen, as a journalist who then moved into nonprofit marketing, I mean, wouldn't you say, or would you agree that one of the number one things is, is telling your story in a way that resonates with your audience and then captures a new audience who perhaps didn't know about you before. But, you know, I think it's, it's telling that story and weaving it through all the channels and um, just, would you agree with that? Totally. And you're right. It's all about consistency, especially how bombarded people are with information. You have to repeat things millions of times for it to even get through all the other messages they're getting. And Telling someone, you know, but I'm sure you've struggled with this. I have had clients who they like their story the way it is. And what they think is important is not what's really important. Another thing that book, the, the message that book told me that was so powerful, and it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It isn't about us and what our services are. It's about what the people coming to us need and want. The story has to be about them and what they need. It's not about you and how great you are and what your whole fabulous background is. I have a client right now that will not let go of their backstory and it's clouding. It's burying the lead in everything we're trying to do about what's most important and critically, critically vital and what the media will want and what they'll put in front of their audiences. And we've really been struggling with how to get that changed, you know, because we know it's not working. Yeah. So, you know, on that nonprofit thread, I know you're, you've been involved with helping Arlington Independent Media AIM. Um, you know, you, you chatted with me that there's a, a, a rebrand or a rebirth or a re like what's going all on and all it, it, like what, what's the impetus and, and why, why now? So Okay, so um, they have been around for 40 years. They're going to celebrate their 40th anniversary in September. And their mission, word for word, is to increase access to public media for groups and, and audiences that have up till now been excluded. It's like exactly what's happening in this very moment with you know, diversity and inclusion efforts that everyone is embracing ever since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Black Lives Matter and all of that. And Paul, the um, previous executive director for 25 years, stepped down um, right after the pandemic started and the stations shut down. They offer cable public media access um, and a radio station, a low power FM radio station, camps and classes and access to the community 
to all kinds of um, media opportunities to have your own podcast, radio show, all kinds of stuff. And um, they were not meeting that mission at all. They, so they, they this year hired a new executive director, Whitney Kernodal, who was the founder of Arlington for Justice in the wake of the um, racial murders. She, was, she founded Black Parents of Arlington to advocate for Black students in Arlington. And she has been very vocal on all these um, justice and um, accessibility and, and access issues. So they hired her, which was a brilliant move because the county was probably looking at them saying, well, you know, it, we want to fund you and support you, but what have you done like to achieve your mission? So Whitney is passionate about truly increasing access to, um, to audiences that have been underserved in our community. We did a survey and found that 99% of the people that um, engage with AIM in any way are from like three North Arlington zip codes. They are 90% white, age 75 and older, um, income levels of top like 5%. This is not diversity and inclusion in public media. So our new mission is to really change that. So she has brought in a lot of new staff. Um, she has, uh, we've got all new equipment that's coming in now. They've actually had to pause all their pre-scheduled programming for an entire month while the new programming, while the new equipment gets put into place, which has, you know, caused a lot of disruption to all the producers who have produced all this content. Like if you had your show already edited and ready to go for months and it's, and it's just not going to happen for a whole month. They have to tell all their audiences. It's been a huge challenge. So communicating all these changes, getting everyone on board, having people accept major changes, staff changes, different ways of doing things, a woman leader, a woman of color as a leader, all of these things has been incredibly like just a roller coaster, but everyone that's involved in it is so excited and so passionate about it. But, and, and it's amazing what we're working on. We're so excited and the new programming that's coming up and we are in the middle of a rebrand. We're rebranding the logo. We're rebranding the messaging. Um, you know, there's just a lot of exciting things happening, but it's been a lot. <laughs> what I think is so interesting about what you just shared is the survey of who's who's engaged with the organization and and how it doesn't align with the mission of of you know reaching potentially underserved or you know underrepresented communities so you know you're a marketer um and how does how does a brand i mean I, and i think it's amazing that the just even the recognition that they have to do something different to achieve what they want to achieve but like how do you as a brand, reach populations who've not been aware of your existence as a brand. Exactly. It's a huge challenge, even though they had hundreds of members, thousands of social media followers. I'm pulling up um, a post I did um, for them because I've been managing their social media. Um, it was about their new staff recently, and I'm trying to find it. Okay. So they have so many new staff members and many of them 
come from different backgrounds than the people who were there before. She's uh, Whitney has recruited really wonderful new people for her board. And you know, that's a huge part of it, Jennifer. The board had, a, had reflected what was already there. There were several producers on the board, which really didn't work well with trying to make changes and set policy and strategy because they seem to have a, a, a voice. That, it's a very complicated topic, but in any event, she has brought in all these people with great diversity. We, the, um, the chair of the Arlington Arts Commission, Anika, is on our is uh, Anika Quinana is now a, an advisor, a consultant to the group. Um, uh, Kay Lafayette is the operations manager. Um, Adwa B.W. Jones is helping me with communications. These are all women that Whitney has worked with throughout her many, many careers, and they are bringing just such a different voice and point of view to the table, and it's super exciting. And the people who who resisted that or were pretty shocked at the results of the survey, we had a board retreat, and we shared these results and also our plans for the year, and some people stepped off the board. They were so shocked. I mean, Sometimes change causes a bit of disruption, but there's no way you can move forward without it. But I think what the point that is, to me, the soundbite and what you just said is, if you want to reposition your brand and you want a different voice and you want a different, if you want your brand to be perceived differently, it has to start from within and from the top. You can't, you can't just wish it to happen, right? Like. And your organization, that organization, as it was, um, as you've described, was, was, you know, because you, you uh, I, I'm losing the words here, but it's like you have, you have that echo chamber of, 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 the, of the people who they, they want the change, but if they're the only ones trying to affect it, they're the wrong people because I feel so strongly that here in Arlington, which is a wonderful community and has a reputation as a very progressive liberal community where everyone votes democratic, we all walk into the booth and pull the blue lever. I think that this community has gone through a lot of kind of eye opening in the past year or two about how they're not, you know, they may have the right idea, like you said, and it's kind of an echo chamber, but where are the strong, diverse leaders in this community? Now there was Sam Kelly, of course, at Bridges, who was phenomenal, Christian Dorsey, um, Ingrid Maroy, there are some, but if you look through the top echelons of management leadership in Arlington County, including the police department and lots of other places, there was not enough going on there and things were happening that weren't working out well. And the voters let them know in a lot of different ways that they weren't happy with that. Whitney told me that she has lots of friends in other other areas, you know, um, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, and they do not share the view that the Arlington community is so progressive and fabulous. When you come here as an outsider, and, and particularly an outsider of color with no access, it's really hard to figure out how this place works and how you get in and how you get your, your voice heard. Um, it's not easy to navigate. And I think that's an area where we can all do a lot better. I agree with you. And just listening to the, the changes and the movement forward with AIM, it sounds really exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing the new brand. I want to ask you, Karen, you mentioned DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, their commitment statements. How important is it that a brand puts one out um, and proclaims their commitment to this? Uh, you know, I 
I don't want to brag, but I feel that my company from the very beginning, every client I've ever had for the last 15 years, and I came from the affordable housing community where we wanted to make sure that our clients and the people we served were very visible in all of our efforts. I met Evelyn when I worked for AHC. She started doing our graphic design and board, you know, annual reports and everything. That's how we got to know each other. And I kept saying, we need more diversity. You need more pictures of more diversity. And I've been like a broken record on that with every client of mine for years and years. And when Evelyn and I co-founded AWE, I said to her, this organization has to look like the women in this community, including D.C., not like all the women we know in North Arlington. And our board has to reflect that. And I had met Angela, Angelica Talon and brought her on and Maritza Lizama. And we were extremely intentional in that. And I've always believed that I, I think some companies haven't been as aware of it or thought as much about it. And again, ever since a couple of years ago, that's changed dramatically for every board, every company in the country. But they were kind of late to the game and it should have been being done all the way along, in my opinion. Um, so uh, that and that led to, I think, um, our success. I think we were different in a lot of ways because women that showed up saw women who looked like them. And, now, and I feel that um, even the Arlington Chamber has made great strides in the last few years in that regard, not because of awe, but in just because of all this messaging. And it's made the chamber much more diverse and a much more exciting, interesting organization. But I think the point there is that it's, it's, it was true and it was authentic, which right. is, which is very different than I think there still are companies who, I don't know what the greenwashing equivalent of is for DEI um, commitment, but it's, it's not enough to do the statement. It has to be real. You have to, it's you, the statement is just the start. It's then it's what resources or what actions or what changes do you put behind it? Because I think the brands that they might say the right thing, but if they don't do the right thing, it do, it's like your brand value is not, is not there. I have a great example of that. I worked um, for about a year, just a year, with an amazing client who has gone on to have unbelievable success. He founded a company in Africa. And I think you might, were you at that meeting, that awe meeting at Eagle Bank where he spoke? His name's Don Larson. He founded the Sunshine Nut Company. His website is sunshinenuts.com. I love that brand, by the way. He is, what he he's made doing those caches. So he worked for Hershey Chocolate. He was the top cocoa buyer in the world, and he would go to Africa and buy cocoa. And he was sitting in the airport one time with a bunch of young people, and he's a really charming guy, and he was engaging with them. And when they asked him what he did, and he told them, everything changed, and he goes, what's the matter? And they said, well, you and your company come here and take all our resources and underpay our farmers, and we get nothing in return. You take it away, sell a product, and we see nothing. And, you know, enforcers come and keep the prices artificially low and all of this. And he was so troubled by that that he went home and talked to his wife. And about a year later, he quit his job. They moved to Mozambique. They bought an old factory and refurbished it. And all the employees are adult orphans that grew up amidst the AIDS epidemic in Mozambique. And they run it. He has sent them to Penn State to grad school. He, they have a foundation where they build houses that widowed women raise orphan children called sunshine houses. And they pay the farmers a living wage. They plant trees. They open clinics. 
And he said, you know, at Tom's, he used to use this example, and I'm not sure if it's true anymore. He said, at Tom's sneakers, if you buy a pair of sneakers, they give somebody a pair of glasses, I think was the thing. And they were very popular. And he said, uh, that's great, but that's not transforming their lives. I'm building the factory in their community, hiring all of them. They're running it. They're the ones who are transforming their own lives. And it's permanently by jobs and having an industry that's located in their town. And that's how you really change lives. And he's just an amazing person. It's about action. I love that. Karen, you've been in business a long time. You have a lot of experience. What would you tell someone who is about to embark on a new brand or a refresh? Um, what lessons did you learn? What advice would you give them? Because it's, it's a commitment. It's in time, in money. So what would you tell them as they start on this journey? Oh, gosh. Um, I think like we've talked about that, they have to be very clear of who they are, what they're selling or trying to influence, fix if it's a nonprofit. What is the issue that you are? um, What's the problem you are solving, whether by offering a service, a product or um, through nonprofits, you know, activities and support, providing food to poor people, for example. What is it you're doing? And then how do you tell that in a way that the minute they come and encounter your brand, they know that's exactly what you're doing? I'm working with a client right now. It's a nonprofit in Arlington that serves el- el- senior citizens and helps them stay in their home. Their logo looks like they're a housing organization. It doesn't really say that they help people. And so we're working on that. And it's been unbelievably challenging. But you, ha- so it's just like that website refresh I did and the book we talked about. Who are you? Are you ex- really clear on who you are and what you're doing, what problem you're solving? And then make sure that you're clear on how you tell that on your website, in your social media. Get a good tagline that helps you explain that. Repeat, repeat, repeat everywhere across and find the right platforms. You know, I saw a post or something you wrote the other day, Jennifer, about which platforms you're on and which platforms you're not. I made a decision a couple of years ago that I was not taking on Twitter. I mean, I mean, um, TikTok for my clients that we just weren't going there. And if they wanted to do that, um, we I could find help for them. And with AIM now, of course, as a media organization, I do believe they need Twitter. They could have their producers, you know, all have logins and be sharing the coolest, fun information. We just have to have consistent guidelines for that. So that's something we're talking about doing with AIM in the future. But I told them I cannot manage that. We just have to figure out a way to get that off the ground. But I just think it's what channels you use, your message, and being very clear on who you are and what you offer. I think that's great advice. Karen, what are some of your favorite brands right now, whether it's local, national, international, who inspires you or lights you up? Thank you so much for asking. Well, I love you guys. And I wore your colors in honor of you today, orange and blue. And I heard, um, I read something you wrote that you guys are going through a rebrand, which is very exciting. Is that true? You're kind of teasing that right now? That's right. It's a little terrifying. Is it going to be a dramatic rebrand? Um, Time will tell. I'm so excited. I can't (laughs) wait to see what you do. I'm sure it will be fabulous. I think you guys have done 10 times better job than I have with my own company on your branding, your, your consistency, your look and feel, 
your messaging, your platforms, your very regular and wonderful e-newsletter, all of the stuff you guys do, you have nailed your brand and keeping it really consistent. I love it. Thank you so much, Karen. That actually means more than you know. Thank you. Ah, that's the best. And of course, um, Sushi Zen is doing a terrific job right now. AIM is a work in progress, but we are really excited to launch that one. And I'd be remiss without mentioning Evelyn Powers, who I know you had on already. She has put so much focus on their rebrand and telling their story and using their digital tools to really grow her company in the last couple of years. And they are killing it. She's just done a brilliant job and really being personal with who's on her team and their personal relationships and all that. I just love everything about that. Yeah, we had Evelyn on um, uh, a little, I don't know, a month or two ago, she was on the show. So that's she's been, a great okay. guest. Yeah. She's the best. She's so great. She's, she's so hilarious. much more fun and, and creative in her interviews. She was a great host on the Awe podcast that we did. Um, now, and, and nationally, um, in addition to Sunshine Nut Company, um, I'm trying to think who I put as my favorite brands. Well, in, forever... For a long time, they're actually celebrating their 50th anniversary now. Nike, the company, I thought had the most brilliant marketing campaign of all time when they did the swoosh with Just Do It, because what it meant was anyone could be a sporty person. You didn't have to be an athlete to be sporty. Anyone could put on a pair of shoes and get moving and just do it. And it was such a positive message with such an intrinsic reward for everybody. Like a brand has to give someone an intrinsic reward. It isn't about the Birkin bag or the driving a Mercedes. It's about what you get internally that really lasts. And they still, I went on their website when I was thinking about this question and they still now at the top, they have a new kind of slogan, but it's very much about the just do it. It's if you have a body, you are an athlete. And we all need to move our bodies. Everyone knows that that's the way to age healthfully. And they've had their controversies for sure, but they are trying to address those by working. They're spending millions of dollars, donating millions to kids programs, women's sports, Title IX fights, you know, and also investing in communities so that they have good facilities and they work with the disabled and they're doing all kinds of great things. But I always thought that that campaign was way ahead of its time in terms of offering intrinsic reward, not just like a great popular sneaker. Right. I agree. That's awesome. Well, Karen, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to check out more, uh, more thoughts from Karen. So where can they find you? They can find me on my website at kvconcepts.com and on my social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and it's all some variation of Karen Bate KB Concepts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Karen, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for having me. I loved this. This was great talking about all these things with you ladies. Thanks for listening to this episode of The M Word. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And we'd really love it if you would leave us a review. Until next time, don't be afraid to be uncensored. The M Word is an Arlington Strategy production hosted by Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Our theme music is Golden Reflections of the Sun by Vlad Glushenko. Graphic design by Kayla Fagan. Sound engineering and editing by Ben Mulchandani and Nina Sofia Pacheco. Editing by Nina Sofia Pacheco and Janelle Walters.